Well, happy Monday. This is What's Right with Sam and Ash, 2 p.m. in the West, so it's that time of the week. We're back, and by the way, we are so pleased to welcome to the program our long-lost partner, Ash Watkins. Ash? I'm here. I survived. I'm back. I couldn't leave you hanging for more than a week. Oh, it's it's not, it's it's not in my contract. <laughs> it's great to have you back, and by the way, it's someone's birthday today, I don't and I give the audience a, uh, a hint. It's not mine. I know. It's my birthday. It's I, I'm mortal. <laughs> uh, the least of your problems. Um, <laughs> uh, c- congratulations. Happy birthday. Great um, to have you here. Even though you um, have a birthday, you're still hard at work. Lots going on. And uh, and back in the show, we had a great week here without you, just so you know. Uh, I'm aware. Oh. I like that you say congratulations as if like I survived a year, like it was actually touch and go. <laughs> well, you did. And that's, yeah. uh, that's part of what birthdays are all about these days, uh, just survival and getting through and uh, making it to the other end. So uh, great to have you uh, back here, Ash, and, and um, pleased that you survived your trip intact. Uh, and uh, that was, um, that, all of that is good stuff. So on Friday, I just want to really quickly circle back and, and just say what a, uh, what a tough program that was on Friday for, uh, for me. We had Ashley, as you know, we had uh, Amanda, our good friend, on uh, to fill in for you, and we uh, interviewed Mayor Goodman, and we interviewed uh, a Trooper Smacka from uh, – he's a PIO at Nevada Highway Patrol, but both of them – uh, talking about their experiences on the day of October 1st, 2017, four years ago, Friday, and uh, it was a it was a heavy show, and uh, I really uh, I know we're working on getting our podcast live. We're putting all that paperwork together. It is delayed because of the lawyers. I the just, lawyers. I just want everybody to know that not these two lawyers that are on air, but uh, the other lawyers, the radio podcast odyssey lawyers we're working on it um and i just i assume there's some kind of backlog i think they've got the paperwork out on an oil tanker somewhere in the, <laughs> off the middle west coast. off the west coast of california uh waiting to dock in long beach so at any rate we're gonna get there because i know a lot of people who missed that show wanted to hear it we will eventually get all these past shows up on a podcast so if you've missed any of them you will be able to uh to hear them on the odyssey app or on other platforms of your choosing. Great. So that was wonderful. By the way, Ash, later that night I went to First Friday, and I was able to attend the memorial uh, that happened at the Remembrance Garden across the street from First Friday in downtown. Uh, Mayor Goodman was out there, and she uh, gave you know her and someone else from her office. They read the names of the victims. Uh, it was a very touching uh, and moving tribute. And I, uh, I was, I was glad I, I could make that. Yeah, I'm glad you were there to represent us. Well, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it was uh, good stuff. So now, what? When we're, we're just getting ready here to have a really fascinating guest on next segment that I think the audience is going to really enjoy. Uh, he's become a friend. Um, his name is Sebastian Ross, and he's a, a law student here in Las Vegas. But he's just wise beyond his years, if I can. If I can say that, it's maybe not even a fair description. He's 
really a remarkable student going through UNLV Law. He's he's a, a born and raised guy here uh, from Las Vegas, and he has a he's been working on a project together with UNLV, uh, creating a documentary about Windsor Park. Now, Windsor Park is a neighborhood that is now in it's it's in North Las Vegas, the city of North Las Vegas, but it's a it's a neighborhood that and I'll let him tell the story. He'll tell it way better than me uh when we come back because he's uh it's a neighborhood that had basically began sinking at one point in time. And and of course, you know, cracks in the sidewalk, cracks in foundation in the street and such. And then began a long convoluted process of trying to make this wrong right. And, you know, this program, if you guys have been listening now for a couple weeks, know that we do track and follow and stand up for what's right in the community. And we look at these issues because this is a this is a beautiful community that had families that lived there, multi-generational families. And, you know, suddenly these homes became grossly devalued by virtue of the fact that they were sinking into the ground. And so we we at any rate so sebastian told me he's working on this when we first met and that UNLV was working on producing a documentary a couple weeks ago and as you know this I went down there I I looked I saw the documentary the 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 world premiere of this of this documentary was very, uh, very very well made and but but there's so much more to the story it was just a quick documentary and I I think it should matter to all of us because this is an old historic neighborhood in the heart of Las Vegas it's just north of the 95, uh, east, no, north of the 95, west of the of the of the 15, and uh, and it's you know it's just minutes from downtown Las Vegas, and it's and it's blighted, and it's late, yeah. it's empty. Yeah, to me the the fascinating part about this is a developer goes in and and builds this community community without ever doing any kind of study on the soil and the and the stability of the ground and as a result later on it starts receding and sinking. And so now you've got this private developer that made a ton of money selling all these homes and then the government goes in and doesn't do any eminent domain and take over these homes. They try and figure out a solution but they make it worse by compounding this the problem by saying you can't fix your homes it's not sound and so it creates this confusion for these homeowners they want to stay in their homes they own them they've worked hard but then they can't repair them maintain them they're forced they're almost forced out it's this like reverse process of an eminent domain without any type of monetary compensation so that's what's really kind of fascinating here is how the government which, you know, when you need it the most, is supposed to help protect you and figure out solutions. But here they weren't. They actually made this problem more difficult for homeowners, and they were stuck without a solution. You're listening to News Talk AM 840 KXNT, the What's Right show with Sam and Ash. And we're talking about this uh, neighborhood, uh, historic Windsor Park in Las Vegas, Nevada, or North Las Vegas, Nevada. But it's it's just right – and Ash, you're exactly right. It's right north – uh, northwest of downtown, and and it's and this just is is a kind of not I don't want to say a comedy of errors, but but of unforced errors of 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 things that occurred that you know and, and I that's why I want to talk to Sebastian. He knows way more about this than than we do, and created this documentary with UNLV to finally put some public pressure on it and and figure out what's what's going on. So we'll talk to Sebastian after the break. Uh, have you been following Ash this oil spill? Speaking of the uh, the ships backed up at the port of Los Angeles, having all the goods that we need to get on trucks and be driven out here to Las Vegas and 
fill the store shelves at the big box stores. They're all out there in the harbor. But have you been following the, the oil spill? I have not. I did. I've been following the tankers off the off the coastline, but not the oil spill. Although I know it just happened and it canceled the air show, and so it's creating a lot of problems in just events and also in the in the environment. So if you, uh, because I'm just hearing now, there is a sense that this may have occurred. Uh, one thing the the spill occurred as a consequence of this backup. And and the reason for that is there's a suspicion that one of these oil lines from the oil derrick that is pumping oil in the bay got snagged by a boat anchor that was out there, you know, waiting to be let into the port. So we're going to follow that story because it affects all of us. We're all, you know, we think we're just here a little city in the desert. Nobody, you know, we're all on our own. Nope, we're tied to the, we're tied to Asia. We're tied to Europe. We've got these ships that are delivering things in. And and they need to get here, and if they're not getting here, there's a problem. So we'll follow all this uh, as it unfolds. All right, when we come back, we'll have Sebastian Ross from UNLV talking about Historic Windsor Park. Looking forward to that. You won't want to go anywhere again. This is the What's Right Show on News Talk AM 840 KXNT with Sam and Ash. Discover hundreds of exclusive music stations for music fans, built by music fans, only on Odyssey. Find your new daily groove or weekend mood on the Odyssey app. Brought to you in part by Macy's, Geico, and Coke Zero Sugar. Well, welcome back to the program. Uh, Sam Rajovsky here with Ash Watkins. This is uh, What's Right with Sam and Ash on News Talk AM 840 KXNT. Now, we are here in studio, live and local, in beautiful, sunny Las Vegas, Nevada. And with us today is a good friend, Sebastian Ross. Sebastian, welcome to the program. Hey, good afternoon, and Ashley, happy birthday. Oh, thank you. I might need be in need of a new business partner after Sam's latest uh, tweet. So if you're looking after graduation, all I require is you post great photos of me. This is absurd. Okay, <laughs> I he, here's what transpired during the break. Ash demanded that I take down my Twitter tribute to her birthday. I love that Mark is in there trying to find the tweet. I, I, look, I, I I like this picture of you. You're in a comfortable chair. I, it's... You look cozy, and I and I and I wish you a really happy birthday. And the first thing you say instead of thank you uh, is please delete the photo. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, Instagram and everything else is down. I, I right now I'm wishing Twitter was also down. So well, you're I'm right. working on it. <laughs> the outages on Facebook and Instagram all day today, coinciding oddly enough with the whistleblower going public alleging all sorts of malfeasance at the higher corporate levels at Facebook uh, in allowing and contributing to the circumstances that led to the January the 6th riots and other such events. Anyway, it's, it's, uh, we're going to follow that story too a little bit and figure, figure out what's going on. Nonetheless, Sebastian, great to have you with us here. Uh, very pleased, uh, pleased to have you. And I, uh, I, you know, I, we met, I don't know, we met a few months ago and then, you know, I, you began telling me about this documentary. 
that you're working on at UNLV. Now, you're a law student at UNLV, and it's the law school and also the film school that got together and did a joint project creating this documentary on Windsor Park in Las Vegas. So first and foremost, before we get into the documentary, and trust me, this matters. If you live in town, this matters, and it matters because it has to do with the heart of our city. It has to do with urban blight, which if you if you listen to the show, you know what what you know Ash and I want nothing more than for Las Vegas to become beautiful, to become vibrant, for there to be no dead neighborhoods, for things that are are old and going out to get renewed. We want families living downtown and in the inner city. We want activity in life in the heart of Las Vegas. So with all that said, this matters because it, it goes to very, very much goes to who we are as a city and also some of the history too. It's a little shameful and we need to do, make things right. So tell us first of all, where is Windsor Park? So it's, it's in the city of North Las Vegas. You identified that correctly a little bit earlier, but it's a part of the historic West side community. So when you think of the historic West side, you were mentioning the freeway and how, you know, the direction that runs in the freeway for the longest time, it served as a symbolic barrier. It was known as the Iron Curtain by many in the neighborhood. And uh, the freeway is conspicuously placed in a part that separated that West Side community from the downtown Fremont area. And that's something that had a systemic impact on access to both communities. And that really served as an impediment for the black community at the time. This, of course, going back to – because Windsor Park was built in, I believe, the 60s, right? Early 60s? The, the mid-60s, yeah. Mid-60s. So back in the mid-60s, Windsor Park was at the outskirts of town, I mean, in a lot of ways. I mean, it was. Um, today, if you put a pin on Windsor Park, it's – I mean, it's 10 minutes from Circa. So it's literally 10 minutes from a, a billion-dollar casino. And it also – something fascinating is it's on a hill, and it has beautiful views of downtown and the Strip. So now this community is essentially very close to a, an area that is, is – I would say is a, a, no dispute that it's picking up, and yet you have homes that are gone. It almost is like a bomb went off, you, yeah, and I went. I drove through it. You go through it. There's a home. And then there's four or five empty lots just raised to the ground. Why? In terms of why, I think uh, I think you're going to have different perspectives as to why that is. Uh, from my understanding, the city of North Las Vegas owns some of those lots. And I'm speaking for the residents. Some of the residents feel, and, and this is their belief, that the city is just waiting for them to die out. Now, whether or not the city's doing that, I don't know. I don't have the the evidence to to make that claim personally but that's how the residents feel yeah so while i was watching the documentary so you guys produced this documentary you did a, pr- pr- uh, a, a premiere of it at unlv i went to see it and during the show i literally went on gizmo which is the site the uh, clark county uh property site you can look up individual properties see who owns them it's very organized i'm going on there during the movie and I'm looking, and I'm seeing exactly to your point. All these empty lots are all owned by the city, meaning the city over time bought up different lots. And then what? Then they raised them, right? They they bulldozed the houses, and they've kept they, – they, they haven't sold any of the lots, right? They're holding on to them, 
And I, I mean, and I'll say it if you won't. It seems to me that they are looking to buy everything up, and and they're look and 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 but in the meantime, they're creating an incredibly blighted, sad community that was once thriving. Once thriving, and I think um, one of the things that you noticed at the screening were the residents and, and their input. And when they looked back in the past and they shared their personal anecdotes. It was a really nice neighborhood. It was a neighborhood that certainly felt like a community, and they all had a sense of pride. And over time, that's uh, their pride hasn't waned, but the conditions of the neighborhood have gone down. Ashley, you had a great point about this. Yeah, so one thing, I mean, to me, it seems like the government, not only did they try to help and find a solution here where, you know, they were trying to, they did a phase one where they tried to move, relocate full homes and that was too costly. So they scrapped it. And then they tried forcing, they offered these grants to homeowners where they were basically given 50, an opportunity to take $50,000 to use that to purchase a new home. But then they were lean, there was a lien on the new home where they couldn't sell it to make any financial gain for over 10 years. But then on the flip side, they also put this provision in where they couldn't remedy their homes. So not only were they owning these empty lots and not maintaining them and not maintaining the public sidewalks and creating dilapidation all around, but then they weren't allowing the actual homeowners to maintain it. So what do you see as the solution going forward? Well, let me... uh let me, let me raise something that I, I think is salient in you bringing that up. Uh, the residents first started noticing this issue, and this is recorded in, in city council meeting minutes, but this was first raised in the early 90s, late 80s. And when you have a community that's built in the mid-60s, you've been paying on a mortgage for 20-plus years at that point. And $50,000 to a lot of the residents uh, was inequitable. Uh when you've advanced in age and you can't necessarily work because you're too old, what's $50,000 going to do towards a new mortgage that you're going to have to pay for when many of these residents were close uh, to retirement age? So that's a, that's, that's a feeling that many of them do feel to this day, and I think it's important for that to be voiced and acknowledged. In terms of what a solution is, I think the residents just want redevelopment. They don't want commercial redevelopment, but they also want mixed use that's also going to take care and rectify their housing situation. I think a lot of times cities and municipalities want to redevelop areas in a way that brings in the most amount of revenue. And the the revenue-based model is not always the best long-term model because, look, sustainability as far as growing out a, a city that is already bursting at the seams, we need housing. And I, I'm telling you, all the new development that happens, you blink, here in town you blink, and there's a new neighborhood somewhere on the, on the outside of town. And we have neighborhoods that can, you know, are, are, could be rehabilitated that are inside of town, and by the way, that will become so much more desirable as traffic gets bad. It's a matter of time. I think we're 10 years or less away from having California-style traffic here. And when we have California-style traffic, all of a sudden living on the west-west-west side is going to be a lot less interesting to people knowing that instead of 20 minutes to get anywhere, it's going to be 45 to an hour. 
And all of a sudden, these neighborhoods, I think, are going to be more interesting. So I, I, the impression I think Ashley hit it on the head. The impression I have is that they're, they're trying to hold – you're right. They're trying to hold out for people, and they're trying to – I think they're trying to get you – know, they're trying to turn this neighborhood into something that it, that it isn't. They're looking to use it for commercial purposes, but they're not looking to build homes, which I think is very short-sighted. And so, and again, whether or not the, the city of North Las Vegas feels that way, I'm not sure. But a lot of the residents, that's the inference that they make. Uh, and that's based on their personal life experiences. And I think another thing that's worth considering is just how prevalent gentrification is becoming throughout the country. And we've seen many examples where neighborhoods for intended residents uh have just completely changed, and those residents have had nowhere else to go, and it's pushed them even further away from certain cities. So so I actually want to address that when we come back because I think I disagree with you, and, uh, and I think that gen- I'm going to make my argument for why gentrification is good and why I think this here – the, the problem here is that um, the, the residents of this neighborhood were unjustly denied – the gentrification that would have come over time. So we will get to that. Plus, I want to hear about law school. I'm a lawyer. Ash is a lawyer. We want to hear your your war stories, and other people, I think, might want to hear those too. So let's talk about that too when we come back. Uh, we're on with Sebastian Ross. This is Sam and Ash of What's Right Show. Back after this. And a good afternoon to you, Sam Rajovsky here with the What's Right Show. Sam and Ash, I'm Sam. I'm Ash. We're both here. Ash is back from, uh, from I don't know, exotic travels. <laughs> uh, am I allowed to say what you did? Yeah, you can tell the people. Why don't I'm you sure tell the curious. people? It's your birthday. You didn't even like the picture I put up of you today, so I, <laughs> you know, you do this. Oh man! So I I went with some good friends, also lawyers, down to Cabo for a little work slash vacay trip, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I wore a helmet the entire time, as that's my requirement to being a business partner with Sam. If I go on any exotic ventures, I've got to wear a helmet and goggles twenty four seven. I actually prefer you wearing a helmet indoors too. You never, you never know <laughs> yeah. what harm can befall you. Um, excellent. Any, um, well, I heard the, you told me the water was really warm. Very jealous of that. So a, a, a scotch warmer than Lake Mead. A scotch warmer. Um, there seemed to be a little bit more of it. Um, also, you know, it was, it was beautiful weather. Also very easy to get to. It was like an hour and a half flight. So no complaints. I might do it more often. Mark, let's go. We're out of here. Uh, <laughs> Ash, you finished the program. Sebastian, we're going to, come on. Wait, um, you're taking Sebastian. Yeah, I'm, with I'm you? taking Sebastian. He doesn't need to go back to law school. Uh, okay. Cabo law school, law school Cabo. I, yeah. Anyways, well, speaking of that, so we've got Sebastian Ross here from UNLV. Sebastian, you're a third year student now. Third year, yep. Man, all right. So for th- for those listening that don't know how terrible it is to go to law school, how bad is it? So it's a. It's an experience that's really taught me a lot about myself, and it's really pushing me, I believe, towards my full potential. And so because of that, I'm grateful for it. Is it you is are it, so is it, is, you are so diplomatic. It, it, it is difficult. There's definitely uh, going to be challenging moments that you run into, but during those challenging moments, you also find out about yourself. So 
it's it's all about your perspective. Sebastian, did you play sports growing up? I was a sports guy growing up. See, okay, that's one thing I think. Also, did you know going into law school that you absolutely this is what you wanted to do, or was it kind of just a a fluke and you were trying to figure out life? No, so I'm a, I'm a little bit of a late bloomer. I didn't get serious about academics until later on um, in my 20s. And so by that time, I knew like, hey, this is what I want to do. See, that's what that's my theory on it is if you're an athlete, you've got you know how to handle adversity and you know a little bit about yourself and how you handle difficult and stressful situations. And then I also think the people that struggle the most in law school aren't sure that they absolutely want it or want to be there. And that's, by the way, that's the advice that we always give people. If, if you know, you, you go, if you're going to law school straight out of undergrad, don't do it. Take a break, take a breath. You, you know, we, Ash and I, we started a, a scholarship at UNLV Law geared specifically toward attracting students who have taken a break and worked in the real world before going to law school, because I think that that prepares you for success down the road. So that's, I totally, I totally agree. So I remember my first year, I went to a law school that was fairly aggressive about cutting lower performing students. And I was absolutely convinced that I was going to fail out. I mean, I was beyond convinced. So I, my entire first semester, I went to Chapman and they, and I mean, by the way, when I say they were aggressive about cutting people, I mean, you really had to be like basically non-functioning to get kicked out of the school. But I, I read the, you know me, I read the fine print of, you know, here are the rules and your GPA and this number and that number. And the way I read it, it made perfect sense to me. I was not going to be there for the second semester. So I was so petrified. I was so scared. And I, looking back at it, I feel like I almost didn't enjoy my first year that I spent the whole time just petrified. Fearing for the worst. Fear, I, I feared for the worst. Uh, and it I sounds had, like you. Had you seen, did you see that movie, by the way, old movie, uh, Paper Chase? No, somebody was saying on social media that they need to stop referencing that because it was so long ago. But no, I've I, I seen that opening. <laughs> I've seen the opening clip. And um, yeah, it's, you know, that's, that's what it's like at a lot of schools. But or I can imagine, rather, that that's what it's like at a lot of schools. But Boyd, it's been a really uh, supporting environment. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad they're supporting you and nurturing you. I did have one professor that was just like the Paper Chase professor, meaning this, by the way, this movie, if you haven't seen it, it's about uh, a class of kids or students that are first year Harvard, and they have this old school professor who's, well, he's a tyrant, but he's also very demanding. He's, I mean, he's brilliant, and he teaches through a very strict Socratic method, meaning asking questions, not giving answers, and demanding that students find their way to information. So I had one professor like that, and I know we're off top. It's just a he. This professor was, I mean, it was all the all the slackers in class. It was like they hit a wall suddenly. I'd watch them get through a whole year of slacking, and then I had him my second year, first semester, and it was they all got their just desserts. I mean, it was they they didn't see that coming, and he just slapped them around. It was kind of fun. I actually enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> Sebastian, we're talking about uh, Historic Windsor Park. You uh, helped create this wonderful documentary drawing attention to this issue. And right before the break, you said something 
you used a buzzword. You used gentrification, right? You said gentrification. And, and before I, I ask you, about, what does that mean to you? Gentrification and, and why that's in a, in a problem sense of the word, what does it mean to you? I think uh, I, I think it's it's layered. So when we take a look historically at who's had access to capital, it's been a very homogenous group. And so when that homogenous group with their access or with their capital, when they come in and they buy out neighborhoods that have historically been or people of color have historically resided in them, they buy out those neighborhoods, they redo it, they revamp it, they make it better, they, they make it modernized. And once it becomes modernized, uh, it then becomes less accessible to the group that resided there for an extended period of time. Yeah, uh, interesting. Now, let me, let me ask you. So, and again, I think in the context of Windsor Park, my my pushback on this is well, so we the to me it's an untenable situation that there are empty homes and bare lots. To me, if you want to talk about you know a, a lack of access to to housing, for example, when I see a city, when I see a municipality owning empty homes and not doing anything with them, talk about reduction of access. I mean that to me is a problem and it needs to be fixed. So. So I'm I'm curious, you know, because to me, and and I and I think I told mentioned this in, during the break, is I said, you know, I I would would have loved to have seen this area gentrify on its own, and to have had the original residents that lived in this neighborhood to benefit from this enormous surge of property values that we're all experiencing right now, uh, you know, these homes if they were fixed up. My guess is they these we'd be talking about three hundred fifty to four hundred fifty dollars a thousand dollar homes, and these original residents who have, many of them are now elderly and have their homes completely paid off would be great beneficiaries of that type of gentrification. What, what's your response to that, or how do you look at that? I think you have to take into context what the rest of that surrounding neighborhood looks like, what the rest of the West Side looks like, what North Las Vegas looks like. I mean. Uh, these residents in that community, it was just a few years ago that they had to deal with the closing of F Street, which placed another barrier towards them being able to access different parts of the city. This is a part of the city that, to my knowledge, doesn't have it doesn't even have a grocery store. I think you have to go to like a Walmart super center uh, down the road near Rancho to get groceries. So you don't even have uh, you have a lack of access to food. And so in in the aggregate. These are all things that continue to hold the community from moving forward when these are people that are taxpayers just like you and I, and they deserve the same access to quality food, quality health care, et cetera, just like us. Yeah, I'm, I'm just – and we just got a couple seconds here. Maybe we'll hold you over for the last segment if you don't mind. But I, uh, I, I think there's a there's, – you know, I, I think there's a – it's a very interesting point, but I want to address it. We got to take a quick break. You're listening to What's Right with Sam and Ash. We've got Sebastian here, Sebastian Ross from UNLV, talking about Historic Windsor Park. We'll be back right after this. Yeah, this is this – is... Make your mornings right. Glenn Beck at 6, Vegas at 8 with Alan Stock, and Dana at 9. Breaking news, thought starters, and opinions for Southern Nevada. News Talk 840. KXNT. 
Stay connected. Did you forget to turn your mic off? I went to break. I I went early. I went early. Can people buy homes right now in Winter Park? Uh, the answer is, I, I believe that they can buy homes in Windsor Park. You can oh, did she say something. Yeah. I, oh, I didn't, I missed that. She asked. What was that? Mark, can we lower the? Thank you. Um, Are people able to sell and or buy homes in yeah, Windsor Park? Yeah. So right now, the, the short answer, yes. Um, one of the issues that I need to do some more research on is they canceled home insurance policies. So these were done arbitrarily by by the home insurance companies. And so I'm not even sure that you can get your home insured right now in Windsor Park. But yeah, there's there's still sales going on. Um, that's that is an issue of sorts because, you know, if, if this is bad land and you're not able to to make any adjustments, if you're not able to add additions to your house like a room then are the the buyers aware of that so yeah but you know so one of the interesting things is i think by the city just holding these lots rather than letting people you know maybe buy up bigger lots and around their homes and doubling down and betting on windsor park they're they're totally eliminating any sort of development it's just it's actually really fascinating the problem that the government's created here so I, I, I will say this, and I'll, I'll say it on air. I think um, Welcome back with What's Right with Sam and Ash every day at 2 p.m. This is the spot for live and local goodness on KXNT AM 840. And we're here, Ash and I, with Sebastian Ross from UNLV, holding him over for a third segment. Thank you, Sebastian, for staying with us, uh, talking about the Windsor Park, the Sinking Streets documentary uh, that you guys had, uh, that you premiered and created at UNLV. Ash, you had a great question here. Yeah, first question, Sebastian. For anyone who maybe didn't get to go to that premiere like me and is now interested in this fascinating story, how do they see this documentary? Okay, so we have an Instagram account. It is at LiftUpWindsorPark. Once again, that's at LiftUpWindsorPark. So whenever Instagram gets its act back together today, you should go check that out and give it a follow. And there's also a website. It is LiftUpWindsorPark.WixSite.com slash my dash site once again that's lift up windsor park dot com slash my dash site okay great we'll we'll be sure to blast that out on twitter because it seems to be the only thing working right now we will we will send that out on the what's right show twitter handle but and my question was these homes are they able to be sold and bought right now in windsor park so yeah there's definitely been exchanging of uh of deeds and in, in, in housing uh, throughout throughout the years, over the course of the years. And the demographics of the neighborhood are starting to change as much, and I think that's an indicator that some of these homes have been sold. 
And, but you're saying there's an issue. And so my point here is the, the city is holding a title to a bunch of these lots and they're preventing any development and where they could really be selling it to their neighboring properties and homeowners so that they could be developing and really doing what people in Vegas do. They bet on themselves and they bet on what their, their future is and, and holding on that Windsor Park is going to come back. You know, what What I will say is that there's times where the government can be extremely efficient and they can do a lot for the community. So um, I do I do want to give credit where it's due. Right now, I think we have a, straight tre- a state treasurer who's doing some really innovative, innovative things. He's going out and he's listening to people. And right now, from my understanding, he's on a listening tour to try to figure out what we as a community can do with ARPA funds that are going to be released here fairly soon. And so if you talk to the city of North Las Vegas, at least the people that I've spoken to, uh, it's it's their stance and position that it's going to be a collaborative effort. So we're going to need federal dollars. We're going to need state funding. We're going to need the local municipality funding. And we're just going to need some creativity in order to find a solution. And I'm going to say just because I have a historic skepticism toward help from the government. My concern is that until there is a market for a particular piece of land, meaning there is a, a willing buyer to buy it for a certain price, you, you you can drop you can helicopter all the government money that you want on this problem. And you're unfortunately you're just gonna keep the, the these folks are gonna keep chasing their tail with this. And I'm and it breaks my heart because I see how beautiful – by the way, I'm again, I, I, I love real estate, and I, I look at these neighborhoods, and this neighborhood in particular has beautiful cul-de-sacs, cul-de-sacs, views of downtown Las Vegas, views of the Strip. It is, it is located 10 minutes from downtown Las Vegas, which now is becoming, a, as you know, a desirable area, and whether we call it gentrification or whatever, it's, it's becoming desirable, and people want to live there, and – Instead of allowing the current owners of the homes to profit for themselves and improve their own properties, the government has come in and said, no, you're not going to do anything where you're going to sit on this house and you can't make changes. You can't fix your wall. You can't fix your foundation. And that then creates an environment where there is not enough homes, right? We talked about access to food, right? I agree with you, but the federal government is not going to helicopter in a, a store, that's going to come from a company, Smith, saying, okay, we've got enough people in this area where we're going to build a store. And it, and that, that by the way, I know that discussion is occurring in and around the Huntridge, which, uh, again, around Maryland and Charleston, that area has been – you know, is going through a little bit of a renaissance right now. But, but again, it's, it's not going to get anywhere without a grocery store. It's actually one of the critical elements. You're absolutely right, critical elements to having a community. Uh, but it, um, but I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, I think I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical. It was, hard, it was, one thing I will say. It was hard. It was hard to watch the documentary and have for you know, call it, you know, thirty years, right? Thirty years, people looking to the government to solve the problem, and government let them down over and over and over and over again. And so, and and I think this consistent pressure only helps. It only helps uh, cause awareness, and that's what the residents of Windsor Park need right now. And one thing that I want to mention, you talked about real estate, 
it is in an opportunity zone. And if you are in a, if you are a developer, an opportunity zone incentivizes you to develop in that area because you can wait on paying your capital gains tax. So if you park it there for a certain amount of time, you can even get a reduction on that tax. The issue with that is that uh, in the 2017 tax cut bill, that was set to sunset in 2026, and you needed a minimum five-year commitment in order to get that reduction. So in term, and, and this is just a policy matter, but perhaps another solution could be extending that Opportunity Zone tax credit in order to incentivize developers to go into neighborhoods such as Windsor Park and try to find solutions for these people. And as long as you factor in equitable policies in trying to do right by the actual community, something good could happen. I'm a firm believer that in a in a free market, uh, in the long run, people fare better than than you know at the mercy of the of the government. And so, to that end, I think what impressed me with from you uh, with your very early on was acknowledging that this problem was going to be solved. You said this, and I I, I think you're right. It's going to be solved. With with a uh, with a private partnership because somebody here will go into this to make money, which yeah. is okay. Yeah, they will make money and in turn they will help raise up this neighborhood and this area for all of our benefit. Because it, you know we again back to why this matters. This matters because for all of us here in Las Vegas, we want each and every one of our neighborhoods to be absolutely beautiful and to be you know to be to have a life in it at its full potential we want crime reduced we want families we want multi-generational families we want you know children and retirees alike so you know the, it, but it, you you can't just take homes and sit on them you know if you're the government and then and then and and then forbid people to make improvements that is a recipe for disaster and so in one, one thing to be cognizant of is this is a historically black neighborhood, right? And black neighborhoods, brown neighborhoods, uh, neighborhoods throughout the valley where people of color are the primary residents, oftentimes they do get overlooked and there is a history of that. And in order for us to reach our full potential as a city, we have to understand where we came from and we have to rectify some of the issues that have gone on systemically. And again, I just want to reiterate, these are taxpaying residents just like everyone else, and they deserve the same benefits that everyone else gets. Yeah, absolutely, Sebastian. I mean, that's what this whole show's about. You know, it's What's Right with Sam and Ash, and I'm so happy that we came across this story because it's fascinating, and, and I would have never known about this. And Sam, I mean, if we hadn't run into you that one day, um, we would have it would have taken probably a while for us to discover the issue of Windsor Park and actually understand the nuances of how how they've come along over however many years in trying to find a solution and how the government's maybe hindered the solution, but in their efforts to find it and how um, it's just, it's really a fascinating problem. And I, I'm hoping for a solution sooner rather than later that results in a thriving community where there's multi-generational um, developments and people have watched their families grow up and, and and they know each other because that's what it sounded like in the beginning. Absolutely. That, that is absolutely. And that was, I think, one of the best things about going to the premiere, honestly. Um, the movie, the, the film was great, but was hearing from the residents that came out that night because the movie was relatively short. But then the, the, the program afterwards and, and, and hearing from people who bought in the neighborhood 
original owners, people who were born in, in that neighborhood, who raised their own kids in that neighborhood. I mean, it was really powerful. It was moving. And it, it touched me. I, look, I'm a, I'm a European guy from, from California that moved to Vegas. So I'm learning this history, but I love the city. And I want the best for this city, I, for all of us. You know, and I think this is why I was caught my ear and why, you know, we wanted to follow up with you. And we're so happy you could come in today. Hey, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate the time. And if I could just leave with one concluding thought, I think it's really easy when you live in an outskirt neighborhood in the valley and you're not necessarily going through the west side day in, day out. It could be easy to forget that, you know, these people are humans, too. You know, we're, we're humans and our humanity should be recognized. Well, I, I agree, and I you, you know you know where I live. I mean, I, I live in the nice part of Old Town Vegas, but it's you know, but I'm a stone throws away to the other side of the freeway. And I consider it, you know, I, I don't see that freeway personally. What I see is, is one city. I see one town. I, I see us all as, as, as taxpayers and, and friends and neighbors. And so I want to see the best for, for all of us, and it matters deeply to me. So I, I, I appreciate that, and I, I understand, and I, I, I get it. Thank you for raising awareness around our story. Thank you so much, Sebastian. Of thank you. Well, this has been another wonderful and interesting, I think, What's Right show with Sam and Ash. And we'll be back again tomorrow at 2. You know where to find us, right here on the AM dial, 840 KXNT. Talk to you tomorrow.